0: That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today.
1: Welcome to another episode of In the Pen, part of the Pitchless Podcast Network. I'm back. I'm your host, Cal Nelslicker. And you know what? We have the whole crew back together. I'm joined by Rick and Jake. Guys, it's good to be back. It's been a few weeks since we've all uh, all been together. I thought you guys would get tired of me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's good to be back in full strength after a few weeks and have everyone here together to uh, talk some relievers.
3: For sure. It's definitely a, a different dynamic when there's only two of us. So I'm glad we got the whole crew back together. And uh, despite the news sort of being short in general for relievers, I think we still got a lot to talk about in in, in the relief pitcher world.
1: We definitely do. And on this episode we decided since the three of us are back together, why not have some controversy? Why not have some debate? We're gonna be power ranking say, or at least Jake and Rick and I. I'm just gonna be the moderator and sit back and tell them why they are both wrong. But we'll save that for the later part of the segment. We'll do the usual, we'll get our risers and fallers of the ranks, we'll dive in to get in some mailbag at the end of the season, and as usual, start off with news. So let's get right into it. We'll start off with some of the injuries. No major injuries, which has been nice. We're getting some uh, guys off the IL, which we'll get to in just a little bit. But just the guys who are going on the IL, I'm just gonna run through the five or six of them, and we'll go through the fantasy impact of them if there's any. Michael Givens, Mir Garrett, Matt Barnes, Phil Bickford, Trevor Gott, and Josh Stalmont were all placed on the IL for their respective teams in the past week, so. Rick, let's start with you. I know none of these guys have the quote unquote closers job, but what impact do they have in terms of holds? Does anybody, you know, become a little bit more intriguing for a you know, a saves plus holds league because of that, or kind of walk through the impact for some of these?
2: Um not much of an impact. I, I you know, I think Trevor Gaw was interesting at, earlier in the year. He he kind of was getting some higher leverage work in Seattle when they had some injuries, but now if you know, they've they're kind of back to full health minus him. Uh, Stalmont was kind of, kind of a little bit, he was on the back end of my holds rankings. He was, you know, starting to pitch well again. It's been a while since we saw him, you know, kind of be a factor. So it's, it kind of, kind of hurts to see him go back on the IL, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I don't think there's much of a fantasy impact from, from any of these, these, uh, injuries.
3: Yeah. They're sort of just outside of that high leverage work. They're either the second or third, uh, Guy up for holds and they're not none of them are in the saves conversation. So mostly just deep leagues that use holds these guys are relevant in and I wouldn't say that they're going to be difficult to replace.
1: Easy enough. I think the bigger fantasy impact comes from some of the transactions in the past week. We have a couple guys who are coming off the IL who we know have the fantasy impact. So we'll start out in Miami. AJ Puck was activated from the 15-day IL from his left elbow nerve irritation. Jake, do you think he jumps right back in as the guy you want to roster in Miami?
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, we saw a stretch of Dylan Floro doing pretty well that sort of raised the question of whether or not uh, Puck would take that role when he got back, but then Floro sort of faltered uh last week. And I think now that he's got a 4.21 ERA, that thing is pretty clear. Puck's going to take over that role. He didn't close yesterday, but I, I that wouldn't really worry me too much. I think he's going to be the clear guy there, Uh especially because they have other lefties in that bullpen that are really good, like Tanner Scott and Steven Okert that can cover the lefty heavy innings prior to the ninth.
2: Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, yeah, I I'd agree. Yeah, um, I think Puck's gonna be the guy. I mean, it was we talked about it a little bit last week. How it was, I was starting to get a little worried because Flora was pitching so well, and then kind of had a little bit of a road bump and you know, hit a speed bump. And uh, yeah, I think Puck's clearly gonna be uh, right back
1: into the role for them. Rick, we'll go to the for next one. Andres Munoz was activated from fifteen day IL for Seattle manners after his right deltoid strain. We've talked about this throughout the season. What impact he could have for the Seattle bullpen? We know Seawald's been pretty pretty good so far this year. What sort of mix do you expect in Seattle, or do you think uh, there's still one guy that's uh, the guy you want in Seattle? Yeah,
2: I, I still I still think Seawald's going to get the bulk of the saves. He he's still getting some weird usage from time to time on, um, like just coming into the seventh inning down run. it it's not true closer you know usage so i think if you're in a if if you're in a, t- a league where you know 20, 20 to 30 cl- uh relievers are roster typically i think munoz has to be one of those top 30 for sure um you know he he's at least gonna and if you're in a league that counts you know anything sort of sort of like you know strike k per nine or something like that you definitely want munoz he uh he looked good the other night in his first game back um but yeah, I, I don't see a ton of saves coming his way occasionally, but uh, I th- I still think Seawald's he's earned at least earned the shot at, you know, getting the bulk of the saves there.
3: For sure. M- Munoz is, is somewhat interesting. I feel like there's this perception around him that last year he was more so in the closer conversation than he actually was. Right. Cause there was this idea that like, Oh, it was like 50 50 Seawald Munoz sort of in the same vein that like, uh, I think Yohan Duran and and Jorge Lopez were in the second half last year. But if you look at the numbers, Munoz had four saves to Seawald's 20. So it was pretty clear who was the closer last year. And so I don't think he's going to factor into that closer role as much as you would as much as you'd think, uh, just considering how people hold Munoz in their mind. He's definitely one of the best relievers in baseball, but it Like his fantasy relevance in different leagues definitely is super dependent on his role, which is usually the case for most relievers. But I think he's going to be a guy that should be rostered in the majority of leagues, like Rick was saying, just super elite in the strikeout department, which usually leads to great ratios. He's pitching for a good team with a good pitching development department. And so I think everything's going to be good there. But I wouldn't think that this is going to be a guy that ends the season with 10 or more saves.
1: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think Seawald's been that good. And we kind of, all three of us, had Seawald, at least it's preseason, higher in terms of prioritizing, in terms of drafts. So it's nice to see that playing out there. Like you said, Munoz, you roster him, you want you want him, especially in a rotisserie league. He's going to be good for ratios, strikeouts, all that stuff. You just might, can't rely on him fully for the saves yet. But who knows how things will play out. Next one, Jose Alvarado's going to be activated from the IL on Friday with left elbow inflammation. Philadelphia, it seems like every week we have something we need to talk about with them. Craig Kimbrell has been pitching pretty well of late, except as we record this, he just blew a tie game in the ninth. So maybe that makes him mm. uh, likely to lose his job when Alvarado comes back. But what do you guys think when Alvarado gets back? Does he go right back to the closer role? Or is there a, another great mix in Philadelphia? Well, it's definitely not good timing for uh,
2: Kim- Kimbrell to be blowing saves. Um I, I think it's in this. I think it's similar. I, you know, Kimbrell's been pitching uh, up until today, at least but Kimbrell's been pitching pretty lights out in the closer role. And we know his track record, you know, suggests that he's better off, you know, serving that, that one inning ninth inning, you know, being that closer. Um, That's when he's pitched his best. So, I I wonder if Alvarado comes back and just into more of a setup role. I, I think if you're looking at him and Munoz coming back at the same time, I think those those go, those guys should both be rostered in pretty much any standard 12 team league mixed league. Um, I would put Alvarado ahead of Moon. I think he would be one Munoz two as far as priority goes. But just because Kimbrell is going to be a little bit more uh, volatile than than I think Seawalt will be and I, I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see that they, they haven't said anything about it because it, it was, you know, I wasn't sure when, you know, th- different situation, but when Pete Fairbanks came back and Jason Adam was pitching well, I thought they would, you know, keep Adam in the role and they went back to Fairbanks. So uh, it, you never know wh- wh- what they're going to do here, but um, long story short, yeah, I, I, I'm still, I'm rostering Alvarado and I'm I'm just going to, I'm going to see what happens because we know the elite upside that he brings, he's, you know, was top three in strikeouts and Uh, didn't walk anyone this year. All of a sudden, he's not walking people. I mean, he's just potentially the best reliever in baseball when healthy. So uh, worth a speculative ad pretty much in all leagues and then just see how things play out from here.
3: Yeah, I I think this is one that's going to be really interesting to watch because with all of Rick's points about Kimbrell being better as a closer in general and Alvarado sort of looking like one of, if not the best reliever in baseball before the injury, it's going to be – really interesting to see how the phillies manager goes about this looking into kimbrell's numbers since alvarado's been gone he's been incredible if you look at uh since the day that he hit the il he's tossed 11 innings during that time he has six saves he struck out 19 batters to just two walks and he's allowed two runs both of which have come on solo home runs so he's got a 164 era he's got a strikeout rate of almost 49 percent and even today's uh blown save was was sort of unlucky it it came with an with an error on on himself uh on a pickoff throw that that resulted in an under and run scoring um he walked a couple batters in that one too but i think there was definitely like you can't blame it all on his pitching there you you can blame it on his arm but not, not the pitching itself but he's been really good in this closer role and i think the way that most managers like to manage is they like to have a guy that they can use whenever they wanted. And we saw that with Alvarado, even when Kimbrel was struggling earlier in the season, that they didn't mind using him as often as possible whenever they could. And sometimes that meant not in the ninth inning. So I think we could see that. I think it's going to be fewer save opportunities for Kimbrel, but I think they're both going to factor into it with sort of Alvarado filling like, not only like the high high leverage fireman role, but just like we want to use him as often as possible. If we get to a game where we're up by three in the ninth inning and we haven't really faced a high leverage situation, and this is usually where you'd use Kimbrel, we might as well use Alvarado because that's a better shot at like closing out the games. Um, So it's going to be really interesting to watch. But like you said, I think Alvarado should be owned in pretty much every league. I think he's even better than Andres Munoz right now, but it'll be interesting to see if he has the same stuff that he had prior to the injury.
1: Once again, I agree with you guys. You keep them them both. I don't think you drop Kimbrel right away. Alvarado may get the majority of the saves, but Kimbrell has been, like you said, pretty lights out in terms of as closing for the Phillies lately outside of this last outing. So you want to keep him on your rosters. He'll still factor in. If I'm predicting it, maybe I'm seeing it as a 55-45-60-40 split in Alvarado's favor. That's not enough to drop Kimbrell, especially in your... Uh, your deeper leaves where you need saves. So it'll be very, very fun to watch moving forward. The last two bits of news are, you know, interesting. It's some head risers, Robert Stevenson traded to the Tampa Bay Rays. We had a joke in our group chat. As soon as that happened, that Robert Stevenson will ultimately lead the Tampa Bay Rays and saves the rest of the season. Maybe it'll <laughs> happen. You never know if Kevin Cash and Jonathan Hernandez was optioned to the minors for Texas Rangers. That was a fun week or two at the beginning of the season or in preseason we thought that maybe he'd factor in with Jose Leclerc for saves. But hopefully, he can get himself going there. Any fantasy impact for those two moves?
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, the Stevenson ones definitely like caught my attention because we he's kind of been a one of those names that always pops up on leaderboards for certain X stats. And it's like, all right, well, where, we, you know, the ERA is not lining up with these numbers. So just kind of waiting for the breakout. He's, he hasn't really been on a team that develops pitching like the Rays yet. So this, this could be finally the, the, the breakout we've been waiting for in Stevenson. He's already got, he already has two holds since he, in three games with the Rays. So they're, you know, they're not shying away from using him in um, high leverage work. Yet uh, right now, so you know, with with uh, you know, kind of a thin bullpen there with Adam and you know Fairbanks either hurt or struggling here, he could definitely work his way into a. That wouldn't be crazy to say he works his way into a safe situation at some point.
3: Yeah, I'll echo those sentiments on Stevenson being the more interesting of the those two moves. I think it's sort of cool how the Rays will be like. They'll have an assessment of a player and they're just like, well, that's who we think mm-hmm. he is. We're going to use him. It's just like they, they bring a guy in like Robert Stevenson who's got a five ERA and they're like, well, we, we think he's like a high leverage reliever. We're going to use him as such. And then they sort of just perform to that or they falter and then they're, they're gone. But I think uh, Stevenson in general, he's a, a big slider guy. He's got one of the best sliders in baseball. It's got a 44.7% CSW, which is in the 97th percentile um plv doesn't like it as much but that's okay that slider's been really good and that that sort of reminds me of like matt whistler a little bit we saw Mm. sort of what he did with the rays being a, a majority slider guy um so so that should be interesting and his fastball's not bad either he throws upper 90s he averages like 97 with that pitch so i think he could actually be really good i i liked him a lot when he was with the reds he he came up as like a a top starting pitching prospect, yeah. so it's been interesting to see him sort of transform from that. But he's he's always interested me, even when he was in Colorado, to be completely honest. But uh, we'll we'll see we'll see what can happen here. I, I'm glad that a guy that I've been interested outside of pitching for the Rays is now pitching for the Rays because now he's got that ability to uh sort of take off. So that so that'll be fun to watch. Also, he's from the his hometown on pitcherless is where I work. Oh. oh, look at that.
1: Well, we got more reason to root for him at this point.
3: <laughs> um, I would agree, but there's
1: always something when you move, you go to Tampa Bay as a pitcher that gets you intrigued. And without Pete Fairbanks around, unfortunately, RIP. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I think there's definitely something if he's available in a holds league, you put him on a watch list or maybe speculate on him. He's going to be used, like I said, in that high leverage situation, and the Rays will find a way to turn him into a lights-out reliever because that's what they always do. On 2v3 three up, 3 down. This past week has had some interesting shakes and turns in Rick's ranks. So we want to go through some of the uh, largest risers and fallers from the week. So, Rick, why don't you kick it off? Who's one of your biggest risers over the past week?
2: Yeah, so I'll start with... I'll go with Scott Barlow. I, I think, um you know, he really got off to a shaky start at the beginning. I remember us talking about him losing his job. We're like second week of the year. We're like, all right, it's Araldis Chapman. It's just a matter of when at this point. And to Barlow's credit, he has really turned things around um, in a big way. So, you know, now there's been a lot of talk and I guess this is probably worth discussing with the, you know, I think it's one of our mailbag questions about him being on the trade block, block, uh, um, along with Chapman as well. So that's something to look out for. But, you know, it might not necessarily be a bad thing if Barlow gets traded because there's definitely teams out there that could use someone with closer experience who, you know, I, I think he would be the closer in a lot of team, you know, Dodgers, Rangers, Yankees, angels, Mets, Diamondbacks, Cubs, to name a few, you know, those teams could probably use him, would use him as a closer. So, um, you know, I, I really think that this is going to be the year he gets moved. It's been a lot of speculation. I think the last three years we've been speculating him being traded. I think this is about the time for, uh, the Royals to make that move. So, um, yeah, as long as he's still in Kansas City, I know he only has two saves in May, two saves in May, which is, you know, obviously bad. And that's not helping you in the saves department. But everything else, you know, K rates have been out, have been going up despite his velocity going down a little bit. And the ratios are definitely not hurting you. So um, still, still someone you want to hold on to. I know it's going to be frustrating that the saves are going to be inconsistent, but you know, just see how things play out with his with him this year because he could end up in a really good situation.
3: Yeah, it's it's good to see him bounce back. I know early on he was struggling so much that we were sort of just counting the days until Araldis, Araldis Chapman took over. But good to see him get back on track. I think he and Chapman probably have a. chance or more to get traded this year. I think Barlow could get a pretty solid return with still like a couple years of control left. So that'll be interesting to watch. Um, He's definitely the closer right now. I, I think it does raise the question though, like with him getting back on track and, and solidifying himself as the closer throughout the first two months. And now the trade deadline on the horizon in about two months, less than two months, is this a good time to sell high or is this when you want to like hold on to him and then, mm. I don't know, wait until the last second because it's sort of, I don't know, I feel like if you have smart people in your league, you get to July and then people are like, oh yeah, the trade deadline. Oh yeah, that guy's going to get traded like red flag on him. But right now people don't really have that idea of him being a red flag and uh heading into July.
1: Yeah, he's gonna be interesting. We'll get into it, like I said, in the mailbag a little bit later in the show. Who are some names to monitor in case C as the next guy's up after ultimately Barlow and uh, Chapman lose their jobs. But if you reckon with him up to twelve, and his rank is right about where he was being drafted, so it's nice to see him get back to what we kind of thought he would be at the beginning of the season. Hopefully, he can get some more saves, boost that value before he ultimately goes to a, another contender where he. May take over his closer, may not, but it'll be a great name to watch. But it's nice to see uh, him starting turning this around. Jake, more to you, who is one of your biggest risers from the past
3: week? I'm gonna go with my guy Camilo Duvall. Finally, uh, Giants closer getting some recognition. He's been absolutely incredible this year, uh, p- increasing his strikeout rate, um, just basically doing everything that we had hoped he would when he broke into the league and and displayed his electric fastball. And it's also come with him increasing his slider usage, which is pretty interesting, Uh, actually decreasing, excuse me. But the slider has become more effective, which is good to see. It's now in the 88th percentile, 38% CSW. So that's sort of been his carrying pitch, which is interesting considering that this is a guy that throws 100 miles per hour on the regular. But he's been great this year. He's tied for second in the majors in saves. He's leading the National League. Uh, He's getting a ton of ground ball, swinging strikes. He's keeping his ERA down. I think in May, he's got a ERA of 1.15. So that's, that's pretty incredible to see what he's been doing. Um, Yeah. I I don't really expect it to stop. I mean, obviously this level of like a low two ERA is difficult for any pitcher to keep up and his XFIP is at 2.53. So there is a little wiggle room for him to, to fall back down. But I think he's clearly cementing himself as one of the best relievers in baseball. And if the giants just continue to play like 500 ball, which is what they've done recently, then I think he should be a a top 10 reliever for the rest of the season. He's going to be that guy
2: this year. I feel like there's one closer every year. That's on like a 500 team that like every win though, is like a two or three run league win. And he's just going to rack up a ton of saves. And yeah, he's already leading the NL in saves after having like three saves in April. Um, So (laughs) Um. Yeah. It, it's he's turning into a, an elite reliever with just a little bit of a small pitch mix change, and you know, the, love to see the thirty-seven percent K rate. Um. Yeah. And yeah. You know, even though his fastball hits t- a hundred, it's really that slider that's
1: you know, the uh the big the big swing and miss pitch. Hmm. Yeah, he's definitely been great, and yeah, like I said, he vaulted into Rick's top ten over the past week. Saves are going to be there. Giants are going to be playing close games throughout the season. We thought Taylor Rogers was going to be in some sort of mix after he signed, and that hasn't exactly panned out how people might have thought it'd be. But Camilo Duvall's been great. He's vaulting some to conversation, and I feel like we may be talking about him next season so long as things stay the same As in that you know, second sort of tier of closers. Someone you, you know, we've drafted pretty early in terms of closers uh, in 2024. But if you haven't missed here, enjoy it. He's been extremely dominant, and I don't fully expect that to stop. And I'll wrap up with Jason Adam as a riser. We talked about him a little bit with the Rays news, but he's got three saves in the past week. Pete Fairbanks still on the I.L. I'm back in the buying in on the fact that once Pete Fairbanks returns, it's not exactly a guarantee that Fairbanks takes a job. It's now his second stint on the I.L. As much as we love Pete Fairbanks, how many stints on the I.L. can he have before they decide, you know, maybe we shouldn't just throw him right back into the high leverage closer situation. Maybe they ease him back in or put him as a setup man to get the ball to Adam. But he's looked really good. Strikeouts are there. The Rays are a very good team. As long as he remains the closer and is the guy out there, he's pretty close to a top fifteen, top ten closer right now for fantasy. So a lot to like if you were able to pick up Jason Adam over the past week or two.
2: Yeah, I think Adam is definitely someone that should be roster at this point. Um even when Fairbanks comes back, don't go, you know, dropping him just yet. He, I, I especially with Fairbanks' injury history, I think Adams. If 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 you've picked up Adam, I think he's, you know, someone that could be a mainstay in your bullpen the rest of the way. It's been a little rocky recently, but he, you know, I I, I still think you're sticking with them, especially with this Rays team, how good they are, and. It's it's just nice to see some consistency from uh, Kevin Cash in the ninth inning. Uh, even, No matter if it's Fairbanks or Adam, he's typically turned to one of those two um, in, in the ninth this year.
3: I don't have anything to say about Adam, but I would like to add in a little addendum of Emmanuel Classé, who's been looking like old Emmanuel Classé again, finally. Uh, he's striking out batters, mm-hmm. which is the thing that concerned us for like a month and a half. Um, he hadn't struck out two batters since in an outing since April 10th. And wow. not only has he done that in each of his last three appearances, but he's done it in four of his last six as well. He's, uh, in his last seven innings, he struck out 11 batters, which is two walks and one run allowed. He's looking like class a again. I think his velocity's back as well cl- up into the, uh, classic 99 mile per hour range for him. He so is. I, I have a lot more confidence that,
1: He's he's back to normal. Yeah, he It's been good to see. But he started to look like his normal self. I expect him to probably get back in that top three or so by the end of the season. He's been very good, and the Cleveland, you know, is going to be playing some close games. But as usual, when riders risers rise, there's going to be some fallers. So over the past week, Rick, who's been one of your biggest fallers in terms of your ranks, um, I I guess I'll go about the hometown guy and
2: Kenley Jansen for me. I. I don't know what to... Ma- I really don't know what to make of the situation because he, he, d- he does have 12 saves. He has a 3.86 ERA. That's not bad. Um, obviously, a tight grip on the closer role here. There's no competition. Uh, but he does... Ha- this is coming with a 1.61 whip, which is worse among closers. Um, you know, a 29.2% CSW rate's not great. 14% walk rate's not good. 5.56 XFIP is horrible. Um... So I'm not sure. You know, I know he's always kind of outperformed some of his expected stats. So I'm not expecting him to finish the year with a 5.5 ERA. But uh, there's definitely concern, and he, you know his ground ball rates down to a like, I think it's a career low 25, percent which is you know not exactly ideal when you pitch in the AL East. And you know you might get away with that in, in some other places, but with if, if, you know pitching in Fenway half the time and then. You know either in tampa toronto new york i mean not exactly hitter friendly or not exactly pitcher friendly environments. so um I, I you know he's been pretty much he's been fine so far but i, I do have concerns and, and it's always like the the velocity is just fluctuating so much from outing to outing too that's another thing that's you know you don't really know what you're getting from him each outing
1: Jake, anything you want to add with uh,
3: Kenley? That ground ball rate has got to be like the lowest in baseball right now. That is super low. um I I can't help but think of that uh that meme from Avengers Endgame, which I have never seen the movie, but I know the meme of Thanos. Or like, what did it cost everything? um <laughs> That one outing when he got his was it his four hundredth save, and then he was throwing like ninety nine miles. Yeah. Per hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did it cost to do that? Everything. Yeah. Uh, he's he's. I wouldn't say he's forgotten how to pitch, but you do have to put a lot of things into in a factor here like not only is he getting older but also like when you're when you're that age and you're dealing with physical ailments that that he's dealt with throughout this season and and seasons in the past and also have the pitch clock as a factor i think you could get an idea that he would sort of break down faster i think over the course of a season i think relievers in general they start off really hot because their arms are as fresh as they'll be all season. And then they can sort of fall off as the season goes, as they get that season long fatigue, rather than you you don't really see it in in their outings like you do with starters, but they don't really have that same stamina throughout the whole season. So that's something to watch. I mean, you mentioned his ex being like well above five is something is a, is a era estimator that makes home runs per nine sort of come to the, Um, uh, the, Regress to the mean right now his home runs per nine is 0.46 and like you said he's given up no ground balls it's all fly balls right now so his 3.4 percent home run to fly ball rate is due to come to the relief pitcher mlb average of like 14 percent. so that's like a 10 10 to 11 point jump <laughs> so i could definitely see some of those fly balls that he's given up start to leave the yard which would be uh less than ideal
2: i mean and it's crazy and Oh, with the yeah, increased they,
3: walks as well. Sorry, with the increased walks yeah. as well. Like that's just gonna be; those are gonna be like multi-run home runs.
2: Exactly. Um, you know, a walk and a home run, and then you know, there's a blown save. But it's so I I, I pulled that twenty-five percent ground ball rate from our player profile page. If you look at baseball savant, it's actually twenty percent. So I don't even. Yikes. I mean. Oof. I don't know where I don't know how what the difference is honestly, but um, twenty yeah you, that's that's gonna lead to some home runs in the in the future.
1: Yeah, especially in a park like Fenway that we know is fairly hitters friendly. Even if it's not home runs, it's balls off the monster that will ultimately lead to some runs. So, you know, it was fun to watch Kenley, and I, I hope he's able to turn things around. But I there's definitely said some warning signs going there. Jake, move over to you. Who is one of your biggest fallers from the past week?
3: Uh, I mean, we we talked about it before we hit the show, but Ryan Helsley has been falling down Rick's ranks for quite a while. He's now down to 26, which is which is crazy. Uh, I don't think that is something be, anybody. I think I'm being too harsh. I might be being a little too harsh. <laughs> uh, but yeah. OK, well, e- even still, he he's fallen. He's way down the ranks. I mean, this was a guy who was like a top 10 closer coming into the season. So anything outside of the top 15 would be Sort of drastic for for our preseason expectations, and uh, we've talked about him extensively. I think over the past month or so, just about his role being uncertain, which is something we expected with Giovanni Gallegos there and the way that they used him last year, just in terms of limiting his usage and and not using him on back to back days, and and having uh, another elite reliever there that can sort of fill in whenever you need him, but. He's not been the same guy he was last year. He doesn't have the same strike strikeout ability, the same swing and miss stuff. I think the book is out on him and it's been not great for him because he's become less effective. And mm-hmm. I think all of that sort of makes a big soup of unappealing relief pitcher.
1: Yeah. Especially yeah, especially with Giovanni Gagos pitching as well, as he has that mix is gonna be very Tough to try and predict in St. Louis. So I, I would agree with you. I think Palsley's got a, another one, a lot of warning signs we've been talking about, but this is another week where it just, just really, really came to a, to a halt, uh, halt he, or whatever.
2: Yeah. If you're going to, like, uh, he's been pitching okay. He's been pitching. He's been good this year, but I, I, if you're going to only have three saves every month, I need you. I need, like, something. Uh, I need either elite strikeout rates or ratios or something. And he's just been good. He hasn't been, like, elite like he was last year. He pitched well the other night though, and he finally picked up another save uh last night? Two strikeouts. Maybe, maybe it's
1: a sign of things to come. Who knows? Yeah, for me the follower for this week is Evan Phillips. His last three outings from this past week only went two innings. He had three runs, three hits, didn't only struck out one batter, walked one, you know, blue, got took two losses, one against Yankees, one against Cincinnati. And we're also getting the news that Daniel Hudson is continuing mm-hmm. through his rehab and could be making a return in the near future. And that's going to make the Dodgers' closer situation a lot more ugly. I wonder if Hudson will jump right back in. Do they go with Phillips or do they give Jake some more uh, lightning and maybe give Bruce Arger Adderall a few shots? But it's going to become more of a committee than we would like. And for, that, for all those reasons, Phillips has to be falling down in the ranks.
3: I wouldn't I wouldn't really mind if they just didn't have games to save. That'd be fine with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. True. A little biased, it's but
1: true.
2: <laughs> I, um, yeah, it's been super frustrating with him. Again, just another, like, where, where are the saves? Like, Dave Roberts, you know, it, he's got three holds, four holds, since his, I mean, I don't even, I'm trying to find when his last, his last save was May 12th, where he had <laughs> a string of, five, he had five saves in a row from April 30th to May 12th, and since then, no saves, but four holds and a win. So, he technically is still the closer, but, um, yeah, it's, I don't think Dave Roberts, want, I think he wants to use him in the seventh and eighth inning, so that's, yeah, Daniel Hudson, it's good, it's a good I'm glad you brought him up, because that's going to be a name, I, I think the veteran, you know, that could be the guy that uh, Dave Roberts turns to as, like, Declosed or while using guys like Gratterall Ferguson and and Phillips earlier in games
3: yeah and I think we're going to see an influx of talent in this bullpen throughout the whole second half of the season with uh like you said, Daniel Hudson, but also they have like Alex Reyes and JP Fyreisen and Blake Trinan. So I think there's going to be a lot of hands in the mix there. Bruce Dark Gratterall has been really good as well. 2.03 ERA He's not striking out guys like we thought he might. And Caleb Ferguson has been pretty successful as well. So I think there's going to be options there. And like Rick said, they want to use Evan Phillips as a high leverage guy because he is clearly the best current reliever on their team. But yeah, that's crazy. It's been almost a month since his last save that that's definitely reason enough to move down at least a couple of spots in the rankings.
1: I would agree. And so we'll, we'll take a quick break. When we get back. It's time for debate. We've been very agreeable over this past first half hour. Or so of this episode that's about to change. We're going to take a look at Rick and Jake. They power ranked the top 10 bullpens in the MLB. And it's time to see who who is right. So we'll get into that, get in some mailbag, all that more on In the Pen.
0: Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: All right. It's time for the power rankings we decided. With us back, let's get a little competition going on. Let's see who we value in terms of the best bullpens in all of major league baseball so rick since you're our you know our quote unquote bullpen expert you do the weekly rankings we'll let you start us off give me you know start to go through your list guys you've uh teams you like teams you don't like teams and then we'll get to jake and see where he differs
2: it looks like we have the same top three um so being unanimous there i think we can well, sorry, we both had Houston, I mean, the Astros, number one. I think that's, I'm not even sure there's really much of a debate there right now. I, I think just, you know, with their top three or four guys, it's, it's clearly the best uh, unit in baseball with Ryan Presley, Brian Abreu, Hector Nares, and Phil Matone. If I'm pronouncing that right. Um,
3: I think it's Maton.
2: Maton. Anyway, um, that group and even I mean that's without Rafael Montero who entering the season you know just signed a big extension as far as relievers go. Um, so if if they can get him going, if they can get Ryan Stan Ryan Stanek going, I mean there's other pieces there too, and yeah, it's that's that bullpen is just super deep and one of their strengths. It's it's you know Ryan Press it's good to see him pitching well again. He, he's I, I think I have no more concerns really with him um and we know how good a is so those two alone and then you factor in you know Neris and Batone um that's uh that's a pretty good group there
3: totally agree yeah I, I think they're they're the the front runners in baseball right now I wouldn't say they're like they're far and away the, the best relief pitching core in baseball, uh, especially because Montero and Ryan Stanek sort of aren't at the level they were last year. But if those guys were there, I think it would be pretty clear that they would be sort of far and away that that first best team. But just the fact that they have a guy like Brian Abreu as the setup guy and there's not really any qualms about that, I think sort of suggests that, you know, that one, two, three at the top is is pretty incredible. And they do have some very solid depth.
1: Yeah, I, it's hard to, to argue against that. They've been that good. And there's a reason the Astros are always in the World Series and in the ALCS and the best team in the American League. Part of it is that bullpen, among many, many other things. So let's continue on. You said the number two and three were both agreeable. I'll just read off is the Baltimore Orioles and Atlanta Braves. Anything we want to add about those guys? or you know, We know they're very, very good. We mentioned them a lot.
2: Yeah, so Atlanta, you know, we talked about earlier in the year, we kind of had high hopes and expectations for them that, that this shouldn't be much of a surprise, but Baltimore, uh, you know, we knew Batista was going to be good coming into the season. We didn't, we weren't concerned about him having a second year, you know, kind of, um, fall off, but, you know, seeing the way Cano is, um, you know, established himself as one of the better setup men in baseball. Uh, they've got help from Brian Baker, uh, Danny Culion. If I pronounce that right. I'm gonna I'm gonna be butchering names left and right tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, some some interesting names that are kind of coming from out of nowhere. And you know, you know, last year they had a lot of help from Keegan Aiken and mm-hmm. um Dylan Dylan Tate, the guys who really haven't helped them out this year. So it's they they they've really been able to piece it together while other guys have been hurt or you know struggling. So. Um, I, I just think that one-two combination of Cano and Batista is probably the best in the game right now.
3: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting that they can be this high in the rankings without having really any household names outside of Batista and Cano. And Cano really wasn't a household name until the past month or so so it's it's interesting to see them be this good but i mean it's it's well deserved they're leading baseball uh amongst relief pitchers in fip they're at 3.45 that comes with a 349 era so they're not really out pitching their their estimators as well so i think they also lead relief pitchers in in f4 they're at 3.7 and that's more than that's more than any other team there are 0.4 above the Reds and 0.7 above the Mariners. And then they're a full point of war ahead of the Rockies who are fourth in F4. What? Mm, what? <laughs> huh? All right. Maybe we sense. shouldn't trust that stat. Yeah. Mm, but anyway, yeah. anyway, they got the FIP and this bullpen is, is pretty stacked, especially at the top. Batista and Cano have been two of the best relievers in baseball this year.
1: Yeah. like you said, you both have number three, the Atlanta Braves, we've said enough about them throughout the season. We don't need to add too much more. Ryzele Glacius, we expect to bounce back. AJ Minter is very good. They've gotten bounce back seasons from guys like Jesse Chavez and Nick Anderson. They just have so many options that it's another team. There's a reason why they are constantly NL favorites are very close to it. It's says to have a great bullpen, a lot of guys you can go to. So not too much to argue there. The fun part, comes in here where at number four, not only do you guys have different teams, Rick has one that Jake doesn't have even in his top 10. Jake has one that Rick doesn't even have in his top 10. They both have him at number four in their power rankings. So I'll just read them off and then you guys can make your case. Rick, you chose the Chicago White Sox. Jake, I'm already (laughs) leaning away. You chose my New York Yankees. So Rick, you're going to do a lot of persuading to make me agree with you. Well, let's hear your cases for both those teams. I mean, I'm just looking at this White Sox bullpen, I think is I
2: mean, I know the team isn't good right now, but this this bullpen is just like, I mean, if Hendricks can get going, if we get like the Liam Hendricks of past and I just think that top to bottom, this is the maybe, you know, one of the more deep bullpens in baseball with the way Joe Kelly has been throwing the ball Um He's up there in the, to- in the top of a lot of stats. I know we were really high on Ronaldo Lopez to start the year, and he definitely definitely had some struggles in April, but he's been pitching a lot better lately. Uh, maybe settling. He's just maybe more suited for a middle relief role, but he's still, you know, velocities in the 99 to 100 range. Uh, Keenan Middleton's having an absolute breakout year, uh, 1.33 ERA over 20 innings. He's got a 34% K rate. He's again in the leader top ten leaderboards for a lot of stats. Um, you know, Gregory Santos is a name that was kind of interesting when he was in San Francisco for a while. Like a while. He, you know, big velo guy. Um, he's got a two point one two ERA over twenty nine innings, and uh, gets a lot of ground balls with a sinker. And th- and then the two lefties in the bullpen who have not pitched well, but like. You know, these are two household names, and Aaron Bummer and Garrett Crochet. I, uh, if those guys, I mean, Bummer's been pitching a little bit better lately. Uh, Crochet is still, you know, he's working his way back from Tommy John, but if those two guys get it going too, that, that bullpen is, can be really, really I didn't even mention, yeah, Kendall Graveman too has been, he's been a little bit, um, under the radar this year. I know he's got a, you know, pretty concerning ex flip I talked about today in the holdup, but he, uh, he's, you know, he's still pitching well and, that's a 2.45 ERA. So I I think that this can be a really good bullpen um, and a, the strength for this team if they are to make some sort of playoff run.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get all your points on this. I think they have all the name value and they have guys with great stuff. It just hasn't turned into successful pitching this year. I no. mentioned the FIP leaderboard that the Orioles were leading. The White Sox are fourth to last in baseball. Same with an ERA. Actually they're third to last in baseball and FIP and they're fourth to last in ERA. So they have pitched really poorly despite some standout performances from Middleton, some solid pitching from Graveman and, Uh, a quiet breakout year from santos but i mean (laughs) like aaron bummer has a 7-7 era lopez is over five hendrix has pitched just four innings but his era is over six and then even like the peripheral guys like crochet he's got an era over five that's different if it's like in the four range like for joe kelly who i I think is going to turn it around in general but i mean that's a lot of struggling guys that just have the name there
2: it's a big projection. I am, I'm dreaming a little bit here, but just, yeah, it's, it's a bit of the names and just some, some positive signs from guys like Reynaldo and Bummer recently. And, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully Hendricks can get back to being himself. And, and, you know, Joe Kelly keeps getting, he, he has some of the worst luck in baseball, but, which eventually you got to wonder if it's not necessarily just bad luck. Maybe there's something else, but um if yeah kelly can get that your rate down a little bit i just yeah, there's a lot of a lot of interesting pieces here it it has i think it's as from a ceiling percent uh yeah. perspective it's it's got to be up there with the top top 4
3: no, and I, I and I love this bullpen. I love all the guys in this bullpen. I these are super appealing guys in in terms of fantasy and stuff. And I think I would have probably ranked them top ten if I didn't go to those leaderboards at all. <laughs> because as soon as I saw them like twenty eighth and fifth, I was like, oh no, I I can't do it. The numbers don't back it up. Mm. Yeah, they both fair.
1: belong in the top ten. I I might even put the White Sox slightly ahead of the Yankees just for the household name value that the White Sox have compared to the Yankees, but let's not sleep on the Yankees, Rick, I think. Uh, they, well, don't have the well, big, they don't have the big names, but, you know, we've seen what Holmes can do, King, Peralta, they got Cainley back. There's just a lot of a lot well, of success for the Yankee bullpen. What's Jake's Yankee pitch? What
3: Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a slider. Um, just kidding. Um, <laughs> they, they just have, they've got depth and they've also got like that top three that's been really good. And also they were really good on the, uh, FIP leaderboard. I think, uh, in terms of FIP, they were sixth. And in terms of ERA, they're leading baseball by a wide margin. They're at 2.82 bullpen ERA. Next is 3.13 for the guardians. Um, Michael King has been incredible this year. Clay Holmes has turned things around over the last month or so. He's one of the better ground ball pitchers in baseball. And Wandy Peralta is quietly one of the better left-handed relief pitchers in baseball. Outside of that, there's not really any names that are that are super recognizable, and I think right now it's pretty clear the Yankees bullpen is not at full strength and the fact that they've been this successful without All of the names that they have on the IL right now is pretty incredible. Ron Marinaccio's sort of there, and Albert Abreu's solid as well. I think it's just like the the rest of that bullpen is just really solid and quietly so. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think you can go and ask anybody on the street who Jimmy Cordero is and which team he pitches for, but he's got a three 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 ERA and a twenty eight percent strikeout rate. That's definitely well above average in terms of relief pitchers, and uh, and that's like the last guy in their bullpen. So it's it's pretty cool to see that they have so many names here that aren't recognizable and are pitching pretty solid and then they have that one two three of king homes and peralta that can sort of be used in any situation uh that, that just makes them have some have so much success this year
2: yeah i i i guess i get it i think they're just very average i it, it's the injuries that hurt too i mean there's a lot of guys they're missing and that could change things for the for me but I just they're very they're like in that twelve to fifteen range of just a little bit above average, average ish. I mean, no one with a thirty percent strikeout rate or higher. Um, this I mean, Holmes has been pitching better. King, except for today, has pitched well. I I think Peralta's due for some some regression uh, moving Shh, forward. Don't <laughs> don't
1: dissuade my my man, Monty my, my Peralta.
2: And the yeah, I know I know he's fun, but i yeah, um, some concerning thing i mean it's twenty six point yeah. six percent c s w is not great fourteen percent walk rate yeah, t- but anyway yeah I, I think it's a it's a, it's a good average bullpen with considering all the injuries they've been able to piece things together and you know power through but i don't I don't think there's anything particularly special about
1: it, yeah i mean i like i said, i think both belong in the top ten but both interesting cases, a lot of a lot of things to like there. Five and six in your guys' ranks, same thing. They're the same. We don't have to add, go too in depth into it. Cleveland and Philadelphia. We know it makes them good. We've gushed about them throughout the entire season. The depth in both of those pens, just a lot to like there. Number seven for Jake was Seattle Manners. He's also number eight for Rick, so we don't have to really have too much debate with regards to them. But one team that you know, we'll go for Ricks. And also, Rick has at number ten the Minnesota Twins, and Jake has at number eight the Minnesota Twins. So, some agreement on there. Just a few spots, but the final two spots are kind of where they go at seven and nine. Rick has two teams: Miami Marlins and Toronto Blue Jays, while Jake has the Padres and the Arizona Diamondbacks. So, same thing. We'll fight it out. See who who really belongs out there. Uh, I'll I'll start with the Marlins because
2: I don't I I don't. I'll be honest. I don't have a ton of backing me up here. I I just, <laughs> there, there's been really, I just see a lot of Marlins guys moving up the ranks because they've been pitching so well lately. I mean, mm-hmm. Tanner Scott's and in, in the middle of one of his best, best streaks I've ever seen from him. Um, he's striking out everybody, not walking too many people, that's always been the big thing with Scott. Um, I, I think, yeah. If you look at just the lefties in this bullpen, I mean, AJ Puck, Tanner Scott, Stephen O'Kert, and Andrew Nardi. That's those are four guys who are just, um, you know, huge strikeout guys. Maybe Puck's probably the least of the of the four. I mean, Nardi has been pitching really well lately. He's kind of a kind of a name, you know, relief prospect as far as you know relief prospects go. He was kind of a big deal, so good to see him pitching well and then okert's just striking out everybody in the world and scott's being consistent and then you know dylan floro had a little bit of you know he had a rough patch uh, last week but you know he's not going to strike out anyone but he is typically consistent and you know he's able to give them a solid innings get get outs for them he should be a a fine holds option for them and you know brazzabon's kind of the wild card he's has really good stuff is is no stack ass page can pop off the off the charts sometimes with um you know pitch movement and whatnot but he he's been you know a little all over the place so if he can be consistent and then you know if you get something from jt shark is typically he was i liked him a little bit on the Rays again not a big strikeout guy but a solid you know middle relief option for them so i you know i i think just you know front to back they're they're really solid and those lefties though are, are just um, the best left-handed group and I thought that the Arizona Diamondbacks had a good group of lefties. I, I think this is this tops them.
3: Yeah, you definitely made some good points. I I considered the the Marlins. I think once you get towards the end of this top ten, I, I feel the the top yeah. uh, six is pretty clear, and then outside of there, or maybe top mm-hmm. seven or so with with Seattle in there, I think it gets sort of interesting to see sort of who you prefer. But uh, yeah, I I I think it's it's a fair case. Maybe if we're doing just a, a lefty bullpen, <laughs> then they then they have it there because no. I don't they, really like Dylan Floro, they need a righty sort of. Yeah, yeah. Razorban's sort of a mixed bag, and I, I don't know about JT Chargois at this point, but yeah, I I think if, if we're doing just lefties here, they 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 take the cake in, in that department, but I, I don't know why I, I didn't include them. I, I think they could have been like 9 or 10 for me. I sort of struggled to figure out the last two there, but you, you definitely made a case for them. That's understandable.
1: Yeah, and then uh, we'll go with you, Jay, uh, Jake, to you and let you... Rick wrap up the Blue Jays after but you have the Padres and the Diamondbacks in your top 10 and I'll say for sure the Diamondbacks are the one that really stood out for me as uh, seeing that a little little puzzled I know they they seem to be that team that have good arms but a lot of talk we've we've had all season is who Vax closing games on Mm because it seems like nobody really takes that job and runs with it
3: Yeah. And I, I think just that whole discussion around who's going to be the closer sort of makes the team look worse than it actually is. Right. Cause it's like, Oh, we don't have a closer and that just makes them not as fantasy, not, not as enticing in a fantasy department, you know? Um, because they have so many the fact that they have so many options that they can't decide who's going to be the closer, I think suggests that it's a really good bullpen I mean Miguel Castro is probably not going to keep up this level with his strikeout rate as low it is it as it is, but he's been really good Chafin was is Doing incredibly this year. Scott McGuff quietly coming back he's been, and, and looking really interesting. Recently. He's been
2: really good lately. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And then I think, uh, like, even Kyle Nelson's quietly having an incredible year. Austin Adams coming out of, out of nowhere and looking really good. And then even the back end, like, or front end, I don't know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Ginkle's good, and Dre Jamison can go multiple innings, and uh, can't, and that's not even mentioning all-star Joe Mantiply and uh, all-star Mark Melanson. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it's a, it's a very quietly good bullpen that has this connotation of being a bad bullpen because we don't know who the closer is.
2: Yeah, and they, if Austin Adams can be healthy for them, that's another nice piece that, you know, big-time slider guy who can rack up strikeouts uh I, I had them 12 i i was like 20, I they were in the mix for me just because of the depth um you know and yeah like you say a man supply he, who could be back soon i think he's he's working his way back unless he's had another setback um yeah that that's a very interesting interesting bullpen
1: yeah i would agree we'll wrap up let you guys make the case for the final two teams rick for toronto blue jays and jake v san diego padres
2: I Serrano is definitely a top heavy bullpen here. Uh, it's really their let's see their top their top five guys are the only mm-hmm. ones I'm interested in uh, Romano and you know I, I think Romano might be a little bit of an overrated closer but he's still, he still it still belongs in that you know top 10 closer rank or that top 10 closer list. Uh, Eric Swanson has been one of the best setup men in baseball this year and uh, they you know they did really well in that trade. They everyone kind of gave them you know you know some some uh you know looks for making that trade it's kind of seemed weird trading a all-star outfielder for a middle reliever but hey it's worked out for them uh nate pearson's kind of settling in into a good uh reliever himself he's you know we know that he's got elite velocity he's got good stuff it's just you know he was able to you know the commands always going to be an issue for him. Uh, T- Tim Tim Mesa, good lefty. I mean, he's had he's got a one point six nine ERA on the year, and the strikeout rate's not high, but he does he does uh does do a good job. You know, limiting hard contact, and I think he was in the top fifteen for I think it was XFIP when we were doing that last week. So that's an interesting name. And then Trevor Richards getting a ton of strikeouts so it's a 365 percent strikeout rate on the year. Um he's you know another starter turn reliever he's got a big time change up that's getting a ton of strikeouts for him so i really like that top five it's sneaky good um you know uh, i think that will that's going to be a big factor if the if the blue jays want to you know stick in this al east race
3: Yeah, they may be able to clean up a mess on the bases, but they can't clean up popcorn on an airplane. Well, well (laughs) 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 Well done.
2: Well done. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, it might not be. That's my only
3: argument. It's my only argument. (laughs) I didn't know where you're
1: going at first with that, but it was worth it. It was definitely worth it. I don't think he's going to be
2: on the team much longer. I, I, I think, heard
3: he's. Uh, I heard he's catching the first pitch. Yeah, uh, for Pride Day, which makes no sense to me. But uh, I we don't have to dwell on that.
2: I did think that was a joke when I saw it. I thought that was someone. I also thought real. it was a joke. I still yeah. think it's a joke. But I mean, if Chad, I don't think Chad Green going to be back this year. But they got you know Zach Pop. They have other guys in the minors who could come up. He, he hasn't pitched well, and neither has Yumi Garcia. Those two guys that, that came over from Miami have really really struggled for them if then you know that's you know hurt that that's what hurts this bullpen
3: yeah um you make some great points I, i love that top five there um for the padres i there's not much to say they have like the best closer in baseball they have a couple of guys that can set up pretty well they're top three in bullpen era this year and that's pretty much the extent of it. I I think they have pretty good depth as well because they have unknown guys like Tom Cosgrove with a zero Mm -hmm. ERA through 13 innings. So I I think it's a, it's not a super flashy bullpen, but with hater and then a a good relief core of, of guys, especially if you have Luis Garcia not injured, you you got a pretty good relief core there.
2: Yeah. Those guys on the IL really hurt. Uh, Luis Garcia, Mm -hmm. Drew Pomeranz, Robert Suarez with that, this is definitely a top, you know, five possibly bullpen.
1: I keep forgetting that Drew Pomeranz is around <laughs> just because of how hey. little he's pitched recently. Yeah. But I just remember the good days, and it's like, shoot, they yeah. still have him to you know, help this pen at hopefully some point this season. So, yeah, it'd be nice if they can turn things around. It's, uh, baseball is definitely fun when the Padres are are playing mm. well. Um, who's who had the better ranks? Sound off in our comments on Twitter as always. You'll get some votes out there, see whose rankings you agree with most. But we'll take one final break, end up with some mailbag, answer some of the questions from our Discord, and hopefully get to a quick section of who's that closer. All right, it's time for a mailbag. As always, if you want to get in on the mailbag, ask us some questions. Besides hitting us up on Twitter as we'll get we do it at the end, end of the show, you can join our Discord, go to petrolist.com, get PL plus. You have the Discord community where you can answer all our questions to our analysts. You can talk about anything and everything, baseball, life, whatever. It's a great community. I can't highly recommend it enough. But we referenced this at the beginning of the show. A question from Lil Piranha with Chapman and Barlow currently on the trade block. He recommends, uh, who do you think Carlos Hernandez is a favorite to be the Royals closer? So what do you think of Hernandez? And If it's not him, who do you guys think is uh, the guy you'd maybe want to keep your on your watch list for the Royals at this point? I would love to
2: see that. I would love to see Hernandez Thanks get a too. chance, but I feel like it's gonna, it's going to probably go to like Taylor Clark. Um, this Hernandez has had some weird. you I mean they like to use him as a uh, as an opener a lot, um, and you know the strikeout rate's been good. The velocity's crazy, crazy. Uh, it's gone up till he's throwing a hundred consistently, but I, I think they trust Taylor Clark a lot, and he's been pitching pretty well. You know, ERA under three. Uh, And he has eight holds on the year. So I I think Clark would be the next man up.
3: Yeah, the holds are sort of the deciding factor there. There's probably some correlation between like current number of holds and who the future closer is when a closer hits the IL or is traded. So he's got eight to three lead over. Hernandez in that department Hernandez though has I don't know been up and down throughout the year uh though in his last 13 innings he's got 19 strikeouts and no walks which is very interesting not walking anybody and that was that was one of the things that held him back as a starter so right now he's got a 26 percent strikeout minus walk rate for the year and that's uh that's pretty incredible so I I definitely love the skills there would love to see him be the closer especially because that would be like an early call for us on the podcast Mm -hmm. but it, it will really depend on who, who the uh, manager decides on there?
1: Yeah, you know, throw Josh Stalma as a name to kind of monitor out there. In the past, he was used kind of in a high-level situation. We had originally fought, I believe, his last year. The question between him or Scott Barlow, who would lead the team in saves. So it wouldn't shock me if they maybe try and work him back in that role. I know he hasn't been great this year, and similar to Hernandez, he's been used as an opener. It wouldn't shock me if they try and get him reacquainted to that role since he has some sort of experience in the back end there but I do agree with you Clark seems to be a favorite but I think the three of us would all like to see Carlos Hernandez because we've uh, mentioned him a lot I know Nick was even a fan of him back when he was starting just stuff wise mm. next question is from Josh Moxstrom what the heck do you do with Jorge Lopez and I promise he actually used heck not <laughs> any other word well uh, you
3: have to he was on the discord
1: yeah. <laughs> that's true that's true it wasn't platted up that time uh
2: I don't you drop him. Yes, yeah, say I don't I guess <laughs> it depends on if you're in a really deep holds league. Uh, I guess you can wait it out, but yeah, I don't I I moved him out of the top 40, out of the top 50 in holds for my holds rankings today. I yeah, I don't see any real Caleb Tealbar's back. I think he gets slept on a little bit. He's a really good reliever. I think he and Brock Brock Stewart's listed as a setup man there now and that's, you know, that checks out with how well he's been pitching. So, um, yeah, they have other options there, too, and Moran, Griffin, Jax. I know Jax has struggled, but he's pitched a little bit better lately. So, yeah, I I don't think there's any reason to hold on to Jorge Lopez at this point.
3: Yeah, me neither. I I don't think they're going to be using him in too many save situations going forward, and if you sort of add on last year's Uh, second half fall off. I think that this year's uh, lack of success sort of makes a lot of sense. He's got a strikeout minus walk rate. That's 10% because he's striking Uh out less than 20% at batter. So definitely a sort of really ugly season right now. His XFIP is even higher than his ERA right now. So he's getting lucky right now with the four and a half ERA. I don't think he's going to be a guy that you want to own for the rest of the season.
1: Yep, I would agree. I don't think he's, you know, if you're a deeper league, of course, hold on to him. But if you're a shallow league, I don't think he's really worth holding on to. Final question is from Justin Redler it's concerning the Angels: Is Ben Joyce destined to become the Angels' closer or become a high-leverage reliever slash fireman?
2: Um, you know, I I, lo- I obviously there's a lot of potential with Joyce. I don't I don't know if he's going to be a setup guy or a high-leverage reliever for them just yet. Again, there's 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 definitely issues there with walk rates, and I. You know, Chris Davinsky's definitely earned the top setup role. He's pitched really well. Uh It's been a great find for for them. And you know, he's just throwing his change up a lot more now. And why not? It's been, it's always been a good pitch for him. And then when Matt Moore gets back, he'll probably be the secondary setup guy there. So I don't I don't know uh, uh, Joyce. I guess could be the third, could be that next option. Um, but I I think it's you know they got to see some more consistency from him. I I think even. You know Sam Bachman's probably been pitching, but he's been better than he's looked better than him so far this year. That's another interesting rookie that they have, so um, you know, I might pump the brakes on the Joyce hype a little bit right now and just you know see see a little consistency from him i don't I don't think there's any reason to get to to dive in if
3: you're in shallow leagues right now. Mm-hmm. is he destined to be the angels closer? I think yes, this year, uh, probably not. Just the way with Estevas pitching, the the way that Estevas is having so much success right now, there's literally no reason to remove him from that role. That would sort of be, yeah, uh, pretty counterintuitive if you're trying to win ball games right now. They're over 500, so they're getting off to a pretty good start. I, I would I would guess that they wouldn't want to switch things up where things are going well.
1: Yeah, we don't talk a lot of dynasty on the show because it's relievers. You don't really have to talk about dynasty, but like Jake said. He's destined to be a closer, just maybe not in twenty twenty three. I think stuff wise, uh, he's gonna be fantasy viable for years to come, if not as a closer, as a high leverage guy. But like Jake's or like Rick said, there's a lot of guys in that pen who they signed. You know, can't forget about Ryan DePera. Maybe we're finding his way back at some point. Um Matt Moore coming back. You know, but it's a November bullpen doesn't have the full flashy names but it's been pretty consistent pretty solid so far this season so he'll play in the role but maybe not until 2024 at this point but we do have a hard stop tonight Jake has some plans that don't include us so we're not going <laughs> to get we don't want to rush an edition of who's that closer so we'll save that for next week but before we wrap up as always you guys plug where you can find on Twitter it's been a little bit since we've been back together so and any other work you are currently going through um,
2: nothing, just the typical closer ranks and holds ranks and say plus hold ranks, uh, for me. Um, yeah, that's about it.
3: All right. Yeah. And you can follow me at Jake crumpler on Twitter. Um, t- typical things for me, uh, first pitch podcast, um, my personal podcast, free baseball, uh, reliever ranks, articles, uh, one-off articles. I, mean, all, all my stuff can be found on crumpler baseball.com if you're inclined to, uh, dive into the world of jake crumpler
1: and you can find me at calen underscore Elslager. I'm just hosting this pod nothing else really too exciting no full articles but hanging out in the discord chatting up with our community and you can find the show at in the pen pod we'd appreciate the support be sure to hit us up if you have any questions you know mailbag questions you want to chime in in terms of our power rankings or any other mission just want to chat relievers so we're happy to answer any questions and have any further discussions you may they want but that'll do it for this episode of in the pen as always you can be sure to leave us a rating we don't really talk about it enough but be sure to leave us or the pitchless podcast network a rating on on the apple podcast spotify whatever you listen to podcast. it would really help us and the network moving forward so we'll catch you all next week and dive into some more relievers in the world of bullpens